Welcome to The Forge, the podcast for barbers by two guys who know hair. My name is Carson. And my name is Kyle, and together we run Forge Hairscape, a men's grooming product line. Today we've got an interesting character for you guys, Coy Glass from Pensacola, Florida, East Hills Barbershop. And every week we ask barbers, you know, what is your craziest client experience? And if someone were to ask me right now what is one of my craziest client experiences, I would probably say Koi Glass. And you're going to find out why in just a second. Before we get started, don't forget to give us a five-star rating and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. You can find us on Instagram at ForgeHairscape or at ForgeHairscape.com. We hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, we are here with Koi Glass, a barber at East Hill in Pensacola, Florida. How's it going, Koi? Good, good. How are you? I'm, we're doing well. Uh, it's good to have you on the podcast, man. Yeah, it's good to be here. So we wanted to start off um, telling the story about how we met you. I I went down to Pensacola on a road trip, uh, walked in your barbershop. You seemed pretty interested, dropped the stuff off. And then you called me a little bit later. And this is honestly today one of the craziest stories that we always tell. Yeah. Um, we had a barber, which was Koi, call right. us and ask us to make a pomade that looks and smells like dirt. Yeah, um, before, before we go any farther, I definitely thought that Carson was kidding when he <laughs> called and told me to order something that smelled like dirt and to make it look like dirt. And I was like, um, you got, I mean, you got to be kidding. Like, why yeah, why yeah. would I do that? And yeah, um, crazy. then he, he kind of got into explaining it. But, um, you know, why? Why did you want something that looked and, looked and smelled like dirt? <laughs> the pomade, of course, was um, designed after a, a very quintessential sort of image from my teenage years. I worked at a, a plant nursery for four years, and, and black cow, uh, okay. cow manure was the stuff that I would load in the back of cars. You know, by the 50-pound bag, I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of pounds of black cow that I've loaded in my life, but it's a lot. And... You know, there was always this coupon on the back of the thing and it said, cut it out, send it in for a hat and t-shirt. And I always thought that was funny, you know, a cow shit shirt and a cow shit hat. Like that's, that's, that's great. And I really want one. And, um, and so when I had the idea to make a pomade, I don't know why at the same time I had recently been to a nursery and I saw a bag of black cow and it just flooded me with all those memories and smells and stuff. And so that's, you know, and you actually just happened to walk into my shop, um, you know, at just the right time when all that was kind of on my mind anyway with this whole, uh, right. you know, make your own pomade thing, which to me was just fascinating. You know, I was I was floored with the idea um, because that sounded like fun. You know, that sounded interesting. Um, and what better way, you know, than to, to make, make a pomade based on a company who the only other thing they sell is cow shit. You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> I know. that's just like, that's like perfection to me anyway um and so you know we made it and and it took me a while I sat on it for a minute you know I, I thought a lot about it and and honestly I just it got set on a back burner and, and my wife actually really you know pushed me um you know to send this pomade you know to them and see what they thought and um and so finally I did and and as it stands right now that pomade is in the bathroom of the president of Black Cow wow. and he has been oh. using it uh, and he will get back to me. So that's good to hear. Well, that's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I, did, I had no idea that that's what um, that that's what inspired the uh, the dirt pomade. 
Yeah, yep. It was um, it was my sort of my first job at fifteen was working at a, a plant nursery. You know, I think most pot make companies wouldn't be <laughs> willing to take on a project. We had we'd kind of just started, and we had probably four months into selling our stuff, and we're like, all right, we're gonna make it happen. And it was a, kind of a fun project, I think, for Kyle to work on. Yeah, because I was um, already interested in seeing if I could get the product to you know be different colors and experiment with. Um, you know all of the different things like that and we were already we were already doing some experiments with um different scents and fragrances and stuff like that so um yeah it was a pretty cool experience to uh to make something that look and smells like dirt that people were going to put in their hair and, was, and what's crazy is that it really did you know it it smelled exactly like potting soil um <laughs> and it it uh the odor though really it caught me by surprise the way people enjoyed it and how they right, found different ways ways to use it yeah it um because at first it's kind of uh, a little noxious you know when you first smell it you're like wow that smells like potting soil but the smell kind of fades quickly and what you're left with is this sort of sweet earthy aroma that i think a lot of people find very comforting you know i think if if you grew up with your hands in the dirt you know, if you like gardening, if, if you have any connection to the soil or the earth, that that smell is something that just, you know, kind of comforts a part of your brain that you might even not realize is there. Um, and a lot of people liked it seemingly for that reason. Right. Yeah. And I, I'll say that I was also very surprised by how good it smelled because there's that natural reaction of like, why would I want dirt in my hair or something that right. smells like dirt? Yeah. But it was pretty refreshing. I will say, like, as soon as I opened the fragrance that I used to put in there, I immediately went back to, like, when I was a kid, and my mom would be outside with the hose, and I could, like, smell the hose water and her, like, messing around with her plants and planting stuff. So it did bring back memories. It was, you know, like yeah. you said, comforting. Yeah, there's there's a book I read one time, and it's called uh, uh, Jitterbug Perfume, and it, it's, it, it all kind of centers around this perfume, and it's missing... A signature ingredient and and nobody can think of it and it ends up you know being beets the whole time but who would have thought of beets you know is the point like you know sometimes it's the most innocuous things that can have the greatest impact and and those strong earthen sort of smells tend to have a, a, a powerful effect on, on most people you know i i did have someone say it smelled like bad sex so you know there's there's that as well you know it's not for everyone <laughs> And I guess uh, on that note, like, how did the, I, I know you said that people like to smell, how did they like the uh, the product in general? I mean, was it something that people were just, like, fascinated by in general just because it was a dirt pomade? I, you know, yeah, there it. there was definitely that aspect to it. You know, I had some men that liked it because it was a little tinted, you know, and would hide a little gray. I had one guy that just straight up, you know, loved it. I mean, he was, he was really disappointed, you know, when I told him I wasn't going to do another run until, you know, the people I had kind of piggyback the idea off of you know sort of agreed to let me do that um right but yeah i i think most people is a combination of of things um but definitely the smell and and the black you know that that really sort of and and i put it in a couple you know guys with with really blonde hair and what it ended up doing was just kind of giving it this like ash tint which right. okay. some of them kind of liked you know um and it washes right out so Right. Yeah. 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 I, I had I had a you know out of the twelve cans I probably had five of those people that wanted to buy another can once their can ran out you know because I I um I gave it out and I sold a couple cans of it you know and um, 
and then I sent the one to to uh, right. down to South Florida. That's pretty cool. So yeah, I was yeah I was interested to see how people um, liked it because my hair is kind of like a a dirty blonde. Mm-hmm. And so it, you couldn't really tell that it was in my hair, but I was right. wondering like if, if someone, you know, with really blonde hair, if it would really stand out or look bad or, um, it definitely you know, tinted it, but tinted it was it. not, it was not necessarily, um, something that they were disappointed about, you know, but right, right. like that was one guy actually. Yeah. It was just, it was just one guy. He bought a can, you know, he went home with a can actually. Cool. Uh, but it, you know, did tennis hair sort of a right, and that was yeah. one of the things we tried to. We did that without using any any dye at all when mm-hmm. we. Um, that was one yeah, of it was just the, the iron oxide. Was that what you used? Yeah, yeah we used the iron oxide in there yeah. to give it that black tint, and uh, yeah. that was a learning curve in itself. A little goes a very long way. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Um, how did you get? Uh, I guess on that topic, how did you get into barbering to begin with, and how long have you been cutting? Uh, let's see. I've been cutting, started school four years ago, roughly, I think coming up. And, and I've been a professional uh, barber for a little over two. It took me about a year and a half to get through school. Um, I don't know how I fell into barbering. I was in the Coast Guard, uh, for almost 10 years. And then, uh, I got out and I was driving a cab. Um, I was a pretty terrible alcoholic. I did a stint in rehab. I got out, uh, I went back to driving a cab and I just knew, um, you know, that I, I, uh, I wanted to do something with my hands and I wanted to do something, um, where I talked to people. I think, you know, in driving a cab, the stories that I got and being a writer, you know, I'm, I'm drawn to the story. So, um, in a cab, I got that story all day long. And I, I think, um, being an alcoholic, I always wanted to sort of, uh, own a bar and and live there and just drink with my friends all day. So a barber shop is kind of like you know owning a bar, except you don't have to put up with drunks, and it's kind of like <laughs> driving a cab. But the people come to you, you know, yeah. and and the money's way better in barbering than either of those things. So I really just kind of like I said, stumbled back into it through you know process of elimination or just kind of you know going where my my passion was. Right, that's cool. That's cool. I know you know there's definitely that. You know, being a barber is it's kind of always been a thing like barber talk. You know, everybody wants to talk to their barber about what's going on. And, and you can definitely probably get some good stories from doing that, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's especially interesting right now. I mean, you know, at this particular moment in history, yeah, uh, it is, um, you know, paramount to, to listen to people and also to, to stand up for what you believe is right. Um, and, and, you know, the front line of that conversation is the barbershop. Um, right. a lot of times uh so it's 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 an honor you know really to to, to i don't know work in, in that realm you know and to work with the public and to you know just to talk to them and to listen to them right and i understand i, I saw something on your instagram about you know a kind of a passionate um post about how you were having some issues with with people during the pandemic not wearing masks or refusing to wear masks. Um, yeah. And I guess you had some thoughts on that. Um, you kind of want to expand on kind of what was going on. and. Well, I feel like it's become a political thing. And for me, coming from, you know, a decade almost in the Coast Guard and, and even cab driving, like, 
it's just PPE, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, I've worked in the restaurant industry a lot. So to me, it's not political. It's, it's very practical. And, you know, I have a 94 year old, uh, Korean war vet, you know, that sits in my chair every so often. And I want to make sure that, that he makes it to 105, you know, cause he, that's what he says. He's going to, he's going to make it to 105. So I want to help that guy, you know, um, if that means that, 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 you know, I have to wear a mask, you know, eight or nine hours a day. I'm, I'm willing to do that. And I, I don't think it's too much to ask, uh, you know, the general public when it comes, um, you know, to protecting people around you to, uh, to put on a mask, you know, it really, it's not a, a huge deal. And, you know, you don't have to hand in your man card. Uh, if you're a Trump voter, you don't automatically have to vote for Biden. If you put on a mask, like it's just become this really, uh, political thing and it's not political it's it's practical and it keeps us and the client safe and i i really just you know put that out there because i felt like people um i don't know they just need to hear that it's that it's practical you know right and and for those of us that choose to to operate like that that's how we see it so it's it's nothing against you we're just trying to be safe Right. And I, th- I think, you know, sometimes people might not understand that while they're going to get their haircut and that's their one interaction, you're sitting, you know, you're having that people come in and out and in and out. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I think they see it as a, a an attack on their personal freedom somehow yeah, um, or I, I that, like that it's, yeah, something being forced on them against their will. But what, how I like to, to kind of put it out there is if, you know, they say a hurricane's coming. Uh, you don't stand in your front yard and go, that's fake news. You know, you board up your windows and you get the hell out of the way. Um, so in this instance, you know, when the entire world is saying, Hey, uh, this is not good. Um, maybe just for a couple months, you know, it's just a couple months out of your life or, or even if it's six months, you know, if it helps keep people safe, it's, it's not very much to ask in the name of public safety. It's right. And even if it, I mean, even if you think it's blown out of proportion or someone thinks it is blown out of proportion, I mean, you, you ever, you want to be safe rather than sorry. You want to find out that it was blown out of proportion rather than, you know, millions of people we, dying. Yeah, if right. there's a point zero 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 one percent chance that me wearing a mask will keep my client safe, I'll wear it. Right, I understand. Every day. And it's, Every you know, day. like, on the hurricane analogy, it's like, you know, if you want to stand on the hurricane, that's one thing, but right. when your actions are putting other people at risk, I think, you know, that's kind of where you have to draw the line, too. Yeah, it's not exactly. And, and it's also really easy. Like, my books are full. You can go somewhere else and get your hair cut. That's the thing. If you really feel like it's an encroachment on your freedom, there's a barber out there for everyone. You know, so I, I think it's interesting the people that they want to sort of grandstand and tell you why you're stupid for wearing a mask. And, uh, well, you know, that's fine, buddy, but I have to work here. You don't, you know? Right. I understand. Yeah. So you're pretty, like, uh, I mean, a year and a half or two years in the industry is, like, relatively new. So I'm um, a greenhorn, yes, I'm fresh. So maybe um, a lot of the other people that are listening to this podcast are also, like, in the same position as you. They're uh, new to the industry or trying to build up their barbering brand and their client base and everything. So maybe talk about a little bit about how you have gotten from, you know, getting out of barber school and building your client base and getting really into the industry so far. Uh, be yourself. You know, if, if there's any, I guess, sort of advice that I could give, it's to absolutely be yourself and be honest with people um, and let them be honest with you and don't judge them. Um, if you do that, 
you'll be you'll be a great barber. I don't care how you cut hair. Right. Mm-hmm. And as far as like starting out, because um, like, like you said, your books are full now. Um, how did you get from one thing I noticed on Instagram is you would offer mm-hmm. free haircuts all the time. And there's this kind yeah. of big debate in the barbering community about, you know, whether you should ever be giving free haircuts or whether you should charge for your services. I mean, clearly your opinions are, you know, that that, that has helped you are giving free haircuts. Um, so I guess what are your opinion on that? Why do you think you should be giving free haircuts every now and then? Uh, I don't cut hair for the money, you know. Gotcha. It's nice that it makes me money. But, I, you know, like I said, I'm there for the for the relationship mainly with my other barbers and with my clients. Um, you know, if it's about money and and you're asking me my point of view in terms of whether you should give away your services, well, if you give away one free haircut and you get that client for life, right? Um, then who's who's winning? You know what I'm saying? I totally agree. And you never know. You never know what you know. Um, but you, what's what's the saying? You'll you'll catch a lot more flies with honey or something. You know, like right. if you're nice to people and you do nice things for people. Uh, they're more apt to, you know, want to inquire within or, or get a haircut with you, you know? Right. And did you so notice... If you, if you, Sorry, what's that? continue. Oh, I was just going to say, if, if you stand back and kind of make your services, you know, something that's, like, privileged, well, you know, you're going to lose a whole, a whole client base that's just really, really good people. Right. And did you notice... Um... When you were giving out free haircuts, did you? I mean, did you get new clients from that? Did you have people that maybe have never used? You? I didn't give away a single haircut. Really? Yeah, all those giveaways, nobody ever called in. Well, no, really? wait, I did give one, one free haircut, and it was to uh, my buddy Dallas, but I knew him anyway. Yeah, no, nobody ever replied to those things. I mean, they're real clever and they're funny when I think back on it, but I kind of stopped doing them because. Uh, you know, nobody ever, nobody ever really. That's interesting. Yeah, it's really surprising. Yeah. And I think yeah, well, I don't, I don't think most people are on Instagram, you know? I mean, I think it's something that's kind of fun to do, and it's kind of fun to have. Like, a, for a barber, I think it's kind of a resume. Right. Like, that's how I see my Instagram. That's my resume. If you want to see what I do, go to my Instagram. You know, but I don't necessarily think, I, I mean, especially lately, I felt like when I advertise on there, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's going some weird places. Um, so I, I don't, you know, necessarily... Uh, yeah, and I guess a lot of people on Instagram are just scrolling and just, they look at a picture and then they keep going. So they're not really like clicking and reading. No, and yeah, really people are voyeuristic. Depth. Yeah, they 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 want to observe. They rarely want to interact. And I, you know, I think you know politics right now is a, a prime example. You know, everybody should be interacting right now and having a discussion. But most people, you know, they like to watch the TV and and listen to to whatever you know the people on it tell them. Right. I I also think you know kind of on that note like about the free haircuts. It's like I think you know most people. It's it's kind of like you're saying you're you have a relationship with your barber. People want to support their barber um, right. rather than just get stuff from them. Yeah, it's about community. You know, that's to me. The more and more I learn about being a barber, it's about the community, and and the barber has a huge role in the community. You know, um, you know I'm I'm considering running for city council in a couple of years just because. You know, lately I've looked around and realized that, uh, you know, the people in there might not be doing the best job. Uh, so, you know, the barber has, if you, if you think about it, we're tapping into a collective sort of, con- you know, a sort of collective wisdom. You know, any question you have about anything, there's somebody that you see every day that can help you form a more well-rounded opinion of that, you know. 
Right. Um, a barber is a very diplomatic position, and, and it's very much geared, I believe, towards public service. So, you know, I kind of see uh, that going hand in hand. A barber is a servant of the community, you know. And I would assume as a barber and seeing, you know, so many people every day and really getting to talk to them for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes at a time, you can really get a, a good sense of what the people in your community need or want specifically rather than uh, since you're interacting with them you know every month for 30 minutes and like they're sitting there and you're really able to pick their brain and they're able to pick yours yeah yeah i'm not i'm not kissing babies you know i'm I'm listening to their darkest fears or their you know greatest joys you know i'm giving their kids their first haircuts like these are things that go you know above what any sort of normal you know politician or or any person, you know, really knows about someone, it, it does tap into this very honest kind of feel. And like I said, you know, this issue with the mask, that is is because, you know, I, I'm in this sort of collective, I don't know, hive mind, you know? Like, you're, you're really getting what everybody thinks about it. And there's a strong, you know, line of people out there that are very, you know, anti-mask and, you know, this coronavirus is fake news and that kind of stuff. So, you know, right. I think you have to confront it. Uh, one thing we also like to do, we ask every guest that's on the show, just because like you said, being a barber is you're hearing stories every day. What's the craziest story or client interaction you've ever had that just stands out to you? The craziest client. Oh man, I've got a few. I, I cut don't a guy's off. hair. Yeah, we don't have to cut it off at one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got a guy. I cut his hair just a day ago, and and um, he believes, you know, wholeheartedly that uh, Michelle Obama is uh, a transsexual, you know, and and I um, get to hear about it in detail, you know. Uh, I've cut a I cut a Methodist preacher one time, and I have this, you know, uh, a Make America. Well, I have this hat, right? And it's a red hat, and it looks like a Make America Great Again hat, but it says Make America Gay Again. And it sits kind of tucked away down in my barber stand. And um, I was cutting this, as it turns out, a a retired Methodist preacher, um, and he had dementia. You know, he he just didn't remember things very well, and his wife had told me, you know, that she would be next door if I had any issues. So I was kind of already real cautious with this guy, but he looked down at the hat, and he said, Make America gay again, huh? And I was like, oh man, you know, here's the one guy that's really going to take offense to this. And I'm like, oh, and he has dementia, so he's just, who knows what he's going to say. So, you know, I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, uh, a funny hat I got off the internet or whatever. And, um, and so he, he, he got quiet and, and he kind of stopped talking. And, uh, and I kept talking, and then all of a sudden he interrupted me and he said, well, you know, you should be proud. And I was like, I, I should be proud of what? You know, and he was like, if that's the way you are, you should be proud. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, yes, sir. You know, I would have cleaned up as a gay man. You know, I've been, been hit on my, by gay men my whole life. You know, I've got no problem. And he said, ah, you know, me too. I, I love the pussy, you know? And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, here's this, like gentle old man and he's just like completely you know doing a flip-flop on me and and it's just crazy what people will say you know when they feel comfortable um but it's it's been you know i cut this guy that was fresh out of prison and his his roommate in prison had 
told him, you know, to go get him another Vietnamese girlfriend on the internet, and, you know. And he was off to do that, but then he found one for himself, and they were going to get married next month. And I cut his hair on his wedding day, you know. I mean, it's just <laughs> crazy stuff. Like, you, you can't make it up. So, I guess, you said you're a writer, so um, how often do you really incorporate these stories that you hear in the barber chair um, into your writing? Uh... Well, I, you know, I haven't been writing lately. Uh, I've been pretty busy. Um, but, uh, you know, they, it's, it all builds, you know. I mean, when you're, when you're talking about character development, you know, these kinds of things, if you just hear them and they're in your head, when you go to the typewriter or to the computer or, you know, you sit down with a pen and paper, um, these people are already there. You know them. They're your friends, you know, and they just sort of come out, and that's kind of, you know, one of the reasons to do it. Awesome, man. I appreciate you being on the show. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anytime, guys. Anything you want to plug, Instagrams, any of that stuff? Uh, Black Lives Matter. I will, I will definitely plug that. You know, get out there, you know, take a look, a long, hard look at your communities and, um, and really, really, you know, just try and be honest with yourself. And, and if you, uh, you know, if you feel convicted to, to get into politics, now's the time, you know, now's the time to, to let your mayors, let your city councilmen, like really, you know, this is a, a peaceful thing and we're just, we're just trying to move into the future, you know, as a society. And, and I, uh, if I, if I can plug anything right now, that'd be it. Yeah, that's right. awesome. I understand. Yep. Agree. All right. Well, thanks, Coy. Yep. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. That was Coy Glass of East Hill Barbershop in Pensacola. You can find him on Instagram at Dirt Barber. You can find us at Forge Hairscape. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And until next time, this has been The Forge.